Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Candid Conversations. Um, yeah, I'm Sydney Squires, and, and I'm Madeline Keatman. Yep, and we're super excited to be back here again with you guys. Um, yeah, any any news, Madeline? Anything you want to um, throw in there for our broad audience? <laughs> you know, I, uh, well, with our... <laughs> interviewee today uh, who we'll be talking about is Gretel Tam. Um, we sent her a list of questions questions to just kind of ponder and think about and fun fact I actually sent them to my landlord instead of her so. So, <laughs> so maybe we'll interview yeah. my landlord next episode. Keep your eyes and ears out for our next episode <laughs> in which we just text people our questions at random and see who gets a response. <laughs> yeah I, she still hasn't responded to me so she's picking up rent on Wednesday so I'll be interesting. Fun. Anyway um, so today our episode that we wanted to uh, or the topic we really wanted to focus our episode on was um, what does it mean to be an ally while still being a member of the church? And we want to talk just for a little bit about why we wanted to focus on allyship for this episode. It, it's almost like hearing another person's perspective can sometimes help you reflect on where you stand on your own, um, on your own uh, opinions. Um, and I think that interviewing Gretel was really often was really awesome because she like knew where she stood with a lot of these things and she was very transparent about the places where she was uncertain um you might stand in a different place than her you might be uncertain about different things than her but I feel like it's really important to at least start that conversation to almost like give you the space to kind of reflect and be like okay so how do I actually feel about this how what do I actually want you know the conversation we had with her really provided us with or I guess I should speak for myself mostly <laughs> but provided me with a really um self introspective uh moment I guess to really figure out okay where am I at and it also provided me a lot of hope that I wasn't the only one that had you know feelings feelings of all sorts <laughs> <laughs> feelings about um the topic the way that she does um yeah. Anything else, Sydney, before we dive into the interview? Um, no, I think that just, like, one other reason that we wanted to have an ally on here was just because I think that a lot of people who are listening to this podcast are trying to figure out where they stand in relation to the LGBT community, um, whether they are, like, within it or just trying to be an ally or just trying to figure out how to even navigate that. And I think that Gretel is a really helpful person in that regard because, you know, she herself is not personally a member of the LGBT community, but she talks a lot about, like, how she grew to realize that it was important and stuff like that. And I think it's just, like, a good reminder for, for us, you know, to, yeah, be learning how to be, to, like, that we need to constantly be learning how to be more cognizant, you know, of of these groups and kind of what that looks like, you know. And Gretel is one example of what allyship looks like. So we'll be um, playing our interview with her for you, and we'll talk a little bit more about allyship after the interview. Here we go. All righty. Today we have Gretel Tam. And Gretel, how about you introduce yourself for us really quick? 
Yeah, so my name is Gretel Tam. I'm from Hong Kong. I've been living in Utah for nine years now. I'm 24, t- turning 25 tomorrow. Oh, congratulations! <laughs> or not congratulations. Like, I guess it's birthday. <laughs> I think you can still congratulate people on, him, on your birthday. I'm still alive. <laughs> Making it year by it. year. Yeah. 25 is not an age when you like have to like stop congratulating people. There is an age where you don't congratulate people. On That's their true. That's true. But so. 25 is good. I think it's a it's gonna be a good year. Yes. Yeah. And I am a senior studying dietetics. I serve my mission in San Francisco, in Oakland, in the Temple Visitor Center. Yes. Speaking Chinese. Just like really me, fun. Visitor Center, sister. <laughs> <Busy. Woo-hoo. laughs> yeah, and I, what else? I went to Jerusalem with Madeline. Yeah. <laughs> That's how we knew each Another other. study abroader. <laughs> study abroader. I loved it. One of my best experiences in life. So. Definitely. So awesome. Um, Gretel, we should say this about her. She is an ally to the LGBT, LGBT community here. And we wanted to ask Gretel some questions. Um, the first question we wanted to ask, we wanted, well, actually, I guess it's not a question, but we wanted you to tell us um, about your own personal growth and increasing in understanding and compassion for the LGBT community. And so I guess that would begin like when you even started recognizing that it was existed. <laughs> yeah, I honestly, this is really bad to admit, but before I had close family and friends that came out to me and made me realize that they have this thing going on in their life, I really didn't pay a lot of attention and I didn't care too much about it because it wasn't something very relatable to my own personal life. And now thinking back, I'm like, well, that's really, I, I'm pretty ashamed of that because if we only care about problems that affect ourselves, I think that's a very selfish way to live. But that was the reality. I didn't really care about it before. And then slowly more and more people around me um, have the same situation. I started to read more and listen and find out more about what that means to them and what that means to me and our relationship. My personal growth in this whole journey has been pretty up and down. Some days I feel very comfortable in where I stand. Some days I don't know what I can hold on to and I can only imagine what that is like for people who are personally going through something like this. I would say I learned to rely a lot more on God and the experiences I have. I think in BYU and being part of the church, a lot of times you can't think about this topic without relating that to the church policies and kind of the commandments that God has given us. And so for me, I have to really evaluate my faith and where I'm centering my religion and my relationship with God and what that means in practice as a disciple. So today I feel pretty good at where I stand (laughs) as an ally. Some days I go back and forth and I think it's okay. I think sometimes having uncomfortable positions is a sign that you are growing and really thinking deeply about these issues and not just taking an easy answer, even though that might be tempting too some days. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Tell us a little bit more about um, going back and forth and what you mean by that. 
yeah, so some days I, you know, when people come and ask me or they tell me, not even ask me, rarely do people ask me, you know, where I think they should go. Maybe they ask me what I think. And I would tell them, you know, I think you should go 100% with what you think. You should, like, go have a relationship, go have family. God's forgiving. God's loving. God knows your desires. He's merciful. He's merciful. Do that. Sometimes I'm like, no, you have to use faith because this is what this life is about. You have to hold on to that and your reward will come maybe in a way that we don't understand yet. And so usually I'm I'm flipping and flopping between these two and it I don't know what it is dependent on. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, sometimes it's just in my head. Um yeah. I can really empathize with that. Um I have a lot of days like the ones that you just explained, days where I feel very much that I need to um, be vocal about the policies that the church has put forth and um, the, you know, doctrines of, of gender that we understand. And then there's other days where, honestly, I'm just like in tears and I'm like, I can't put these two together. It's not coming together for me. Yeah. Um, what helps you to find peace amidst going back and forth quite frequently between those two positions some days there's no peace <laughs> some days when I wake up and when I think about it I just don't really see how the plan of happiness works for our LGBT brothers and sisters I don't see how they could find joy in immortality and I know maybe that is not the way to look at it because a lot of people endure a lot of other hardships and trials and you know it's still a plan of happiness because it's not just this life right it expands to pre-mortal and our afterlives um I think something if I have the opportunity during that day to have conversations with my LGBTQ friends then I if I focus on their individual experience and not feeling the not feel the need to have to like what you said like vocalize the church policies because we all know everyone knows the church policies they don't God doesn't need us <laughs> to be <laughs> the church policy announcers. Yeah. <laughs> 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 there's a website for that. There there are a lot of talks there's and apostles for that. There's a, there are apostles <laughs> for that. And I think God really wants us to be ministers and friends and support for for these individuals. And when I focus on doing that, it really doesn't matter what I think and and what the policies are at the moment. If I if we can build support and love and and I'm very I'm usually very okay to admit that I'm uncomfortable I don't know where I stand I am pretty confused and I'm surprised at how comforting my friends find that when I admit that that I am also struggling with them even if sometimes they have already made up their mind but just knowing that um I I feel or I try to feel what they're feeling and it's okay to not have all the answers right now as long as we're 
trying hard to get there together. Yeah, it is very interesting because it's almost like, like the church says a lot of things about how we should live our lives like temporally, you know, from like the clothes that we wear to substances we don't partake in to like even, you know, like who we love and like how we get married and so on. And, but even though it has all of those temporal things, it's ultimately a very eternally focused church. And yeah, like you said, like those questions of like what eternity looks like um, for LGBT brothers and sisters, like, like within like Mormon heaven, you know, like that's, yeah, there's like a lot of uncertainty there, you know, and, but I think that what you said is, is really great is I think that sometimes people like, like, I, I feel like it's, re- like, I have the instinct when people, like, come with questions like that to be like, don't worry, I'll find the answer, when really it's like, the answer doesn't exist, and sometimes, like you said, the best thing you can do is just be like, I don't know either, you know, like, I don't know what, what it's going to look like, but I know it's going to look like something, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I feel like we live in a, in a day and age where we can find quick fixes to everything. Like, for example, my AirPods weren't working the other day. I was able to Google it and Google it and Google it until I finally figured out how to get them to work or how to connect them to my computer or what was going on. And so we live in a day and age where we can find quick fixes to multiple things. We even have, like, even doctors are on an app now where you can, like, FaceTime with them and they can tell you yeah. what your issues are. Um, and they can diagnose you, but I think it's hard to feel patience grappling with some of these questions and we know there's not a quick fix, there's not a quick answer, it's not something we can Google. You know, even those that we love and look up to the most um, don't have answers. But I think a lot of it is having hope that at the end, God is just and all-knowing and all-loving. One experience I had this year that really helped me to feel comfortable at being uncomfortable mm-hmm. was when the church changed um, the temple videos and the temple ceremonies a little bit. Um, before that, I've always had a hard time with the endowments. And same. I think, <laughs> <laughs> I think now it's a pretty, uh, when I tell people, they're like, yeah, I also have that, but somehow I never said that out loud and so I felt pretty alone in in that journey and in that experience so I stopped going to the endowments I would still go to the temple but I would choose to do other services and then you know I prayed about it I really tried to work hard on it but it just wasn't working for me and so I stopped doing that until they made the changes and then I went back and I felt a lot better and it it sounded very straightforward like that but when the changes were made and I went to see that I think every almost everything that I had a problem with was was changed and I was very happy and very surprised that the questions that I had about the temple which I thought was unrighteous and something that I need to change on my part ended up being something that maybe a lot of people also um, can relate to and something that obviously because it was changed by the church that it's the right thing and I learned that sometimes when things don't align with your personal beliefs you have to work on it you have to pray about it and keep doing the things that you know are true and God will reward those who are patient and I talked to some other of my friends they're like well the change is too late like I wish the change was made two years ago because now I love the church and I 
that was a big thing for me and I, I just can't do it. Like those those years that the church didn't make those changes was when I needed it. Mm. And so I think sometimes God does test us and wants us to keep using faith in holding on to the things that we know to be true. But that experience has taught me that it's okay to to think that even though it was something I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm such a feminist, like <laughs> this is not okay, but but we don't know. And being open to that and being humble enough to accept what the current policy is, but also having hope that um, God is the embodiment of all truths, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's important. Yeah, I think it's sometimes a really interesting thing because I think that sometimes in the church, it feels like you're not supposed to hope for change until it happens. Like like you talked about with the temple, I tried talking with so many people about it. And I tried being like, this like troubles me. This like, I think about it every single day. I like, like have such a hard time sitting through an, an endowment session because I feel awful for these women I'm going through for the dead for. And, like, going on and on and on. And, like, just consistently getting the response of, like, oh, well, like, I never thought about it like that. Or, like, I don't really see what the big deal is if you know, you know, that God is, like, a loving God. And me being, like, but this, like, genuinely is hurting me and Mm -hmm. troubling me and and, and stuff like that. And then it changed. And then suddenly all these people were, like, I'm so happy it changed. And it's, like, where were all you guys? Yeah, where were you? Yeah, and, like, why isn't it? Why, like, why did I spend all that time being, like like feeling like the odd one out here and it almost like and I had like a very similar experience where it just like affirmed to me that it's okay to want things to be different in the church and to have hope for things to be different in the church you know and that it's not like an unrighteous thing to aspire for the church church culture like or like to aspire to bring about change like that you know because it's like if we like it's almost like the church is doing the same thing that we're supposed to be doing in this life where it's like we're in this life to improve ourselves to get closer to god and we know it's going to take our whole lives and so the church is here is also to improve itself and to get closer to god Mm -hmm. you know and it's like and as a part of that just like how we hope that we're going to get better we also need to hope that the church is going to get better and just like how we actively work on ourselves we also i think need to be like active and vocal in the church yeah president nelson has even said that the restoration is still taking place right it's it wasn't a you know 1830s or 1800s kind of thing it's it's now the restoration is still happening still ongoing And so I really like what you said, Sydney, that just like we're growing and we repent and we change and we move forward. The church as an entity is doing that as well until that restoration has come to its fullness. So our next question was going to be that to you, Gretel, what does it mean to be an ally while being a member of the church? But I feel like you kind of already answered that, that being an ally um, while being a member of the church and you can add to this or correct me if I'm even wrong, but means that you were transparent about all of your feelings about it to help support those that are in the church that have similar feelings and to also support those in the LGBT community. It's not a you're taking one side or the other, but you're trying to equally support both. Yeah, because I think 
just like God gave us agency, obviously we can't, even if we want to, we cannot enforce that upon other people. But I've talked to my one of my gay friends and I asked him, you know, I've been trying to help this other individual in my life when he's recently out and a little bit confused, pretty young. And I was like, I told him, I'm like, you know, I'll support you, whatever you choose to do. And later, I kind of regret it. I'm like, well, you know, should I have said something? Should I have, like, tried to help him to stay in the church? And this friend told me that, honestly, the times where I felt most liberated and most certain that I am going to stay in the church is when people around me told me that they will just support in whatever decision I make. Sometimes I think when we take that, we, you can call it pressure, you can call it restriction, or um, what is the word? Can't think of the word. English majors. Read my mind. Just when you take that pressure away, people are more free to choose and follow their hearts. And I think a lot of times... Not saying to say in the church is the right or the wrong thing to do, but people want to do the right thing for themselves. And yeah. I think ultimately that's most important and that's what God wants us to do is to follow the spirit. And maybe that looks different to everyone in this life, but we are not the judge of other people's decision. And I think being an ally is the same the same way. Maybe we are allies in different ways. Maybe we're very supportive, very loving. Maybe we're just in the middle, being a listener. Maybe sometimes God wants us to be a little more vocal. And I think it really requires us to seek the spirit in approaching every individual because people need different things on different days even. Yeah. yeah. You know, while, while you're saying that just reminds me <laughs> of Jesus Christ and the way he approached when people when healing them is he always approached them in a different way. There was no one set standard. This is the way I do it every time. Even in the man that he healed, um, the blind man in the pool of Siloam, he, he applied clay. He you know spit in some mud, made clay, and put on his eyes. And that, I think, was the only case that we read of when he does that. And so I think you're exactly right that it's, it's going to look different with each person we're with. There is no set monologue we need to give to someone that does express their feelings mm. of, you know, gay or lesbian or whatever, um, that it's really according to the spirit and that gift of discernment yeah. that we have. And these people, they know if you're trying to understand them and love and support. I mean, they're general rules that you want to be loving. You want to be supportive. You want to be seeking understanding. And the way you do that could be different. But I think if our intention and our motivation is to be an ally, which means to protect each other and to stand with each other, then God will judge us with love and judge us with justice, not by all the things that we cannot control and cannot see and cannot know. Amen. <laughs> Gretel, what would you tell someone who is just beginning to learn who's just beginning to learn about allyship or his is just beginning to feel like oh I think I I am an ally while being a member of the church something that I am very glad that I'm beginning to do is to really just find 
all the opportunities to learn more because sometimes you think you understand an aspect of the topic but then you go to a conference or a talk or a speech or you go to a forum and you learn something different and you talk to an individual that has a totally different experience or a different perspective and you I start to really understand that the LGBT community is a community made of very different people with very different experience and just because you talk to one person who thinks you know he was born because he was born with his gayness I've talked to another gay person who thinks a lot of people don't agree with it but gayness is something that can be healed by the atonement and I don't think any of us are right or wrong but to that individual their personal experience is the reality that they have i think recognizing that and really seeking to understand and to be open about the conversation one of my gay friends would a lot of them would thank me for being very direct and asking hard personal questions so i think letting them know that where you stand you want to understand and want to support and love them and then ask those really hard questions so all of us can think out loud and to know how to understand the topic because I think a lot of times we don't and by talking about it and creating that safe space where you can be a little more experimental with how you approach the topic with church doctrine is very needed and helpful and don't jump to conclusions because I think sometimes a lot of times we're like, wait, 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 we're going too far. This cannot be like the future does not look like that. But, you know, I think we can be a little more daring in yeah. going there and still know that the church is true. Yeah, we can do both. You mentioned that it's, it is important to ask hard questions and that those you've talked with have even felt maybe loved because of that what what's an example of some of those hard questions yeah one of the questions I asked my friend was so because this is the person who believes that the atonement can take his gayness away and God will can make him straight if he wants to and I asked him so do you think that sexuality is not an integral part of your identity is that something that, you know, your personality is not really, you know, who you are, doesn't relate to that? And I feel like that was a pretty hard question because I think when <laughs> I question other people's personality or part of them and what is important to them, that always can be a little bit uncomfortable. But he was like, oh, thank you so much for asking that. I've actually been thinking about this myself, too. And then he told me his reason. And a lot of times when I phrase myself, I feel like if I show them that I'm curious, I'm really trying to learn this, I'm going to ask a question that might be a little direct and personal. Is it okay? They usually will say okay and then ask that, and it's just a very open conversation. And then they would sometimes come walk away with, you know what, I need to think a little bit more about that. I haven't thought about that too much. And I would go away thinking, you know, I haven't thought about that too much either, but that gave me a, a different perspective. And I think... Mm. Um, it's it's only been positive for, for me and I'm sure it would be beneficial for other LGBT and allies out there. Um, well, I think our time with you is up, but thank you so much for 
not only sharing your thoughts with us, but also for the example that you are. Thank you. Me. It's been really uplifting being able to talk about it. It's an important issue that I care about. So yeah. I hope more people can come to know more about it. Yeah. Yeah. They're tough waters to navigate, especially when you're trying to do it, you know, by yourself for the first time. And, you know, we know slash hope leaning more towards no that um, your words are going to be really helpful to someone, you know, out there someday. Yeah, I hope so. Thank you so much. Yeah, okay. thank you. Thanks, Gretel. <laughs> okay, and that concludes our interview with Gretel, and we'll move on to the post-interview material that we've prepared for you today. Yeah, so just to kick things off, um, the definition of the day t- today is compulsory heterosexuality, which I believe is one that we've touched on before. Um, and I know it's something that we talked about um, quite a bit with our interview with Kyle. Um, so the definition of compulsory heterosexuality, um, it's a, a phrase that was coined by Adrian Rich, who is a feminist, um, and queer theory author, um, is what it's generally called, I believe, um, in English, scholastical ship. (laughs) 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 Um, so... That just means assuming a person is straight until proven otherwise. Um, so, you know, we've touched on this, like, like automatic, like if I automatically ask Madeline, like, like, oh, do you have a boyfriend? You know, and then like, or if I automatically started asking, you know, like my siblings or cousins or something like that, you know, like, like automatically assuming that they are straight. Um, and compulsory heterosexuality is one that's really prevalent in church rhetoric, as well as in societal rhetoric. Um, you know, up until 2015, um, you know, gay marriage wasn't even legal, you know, (laughs) like that. And that's just like one example of what like compulsory heterosexuality can look like at, on like a societal scale. Um, another one is people like posting pictures with like their their partners like there's this really popular uh thing that shared online where it showed like these two women marrying each other and then it has like this comment below uh, of someone being like oh how cute to be married with your best friend like but where are their husbands at and everyone's like so (laughs) (laughs) yeah and, and that's just like one example um of what that can kind of look like, you know, it's kind of like automatically just like shifting around like that assumed straightness and sometimes taking extra steps to like further enforce your assumes, like how much you assume straightness. So Mm. there you go. Thank you, Sydney, for that definition. Fun fact, I'm learning from the definition that she's giving (laughs) just as maybe some of you are. So it's great. We wanted to um, now talk a, a little bit about our process of becoming an ally, just as Gretel did. And Sydney actually brought up the suggestion that we both do that, which I think was great. Okay, so the process of how I became an ally, um, it really began after my mission. I had exposure um, growing up and in high school and post-high school and everything, but it was all thoughts and feelings that I really put on the back burner. I didn't really think about them very much. I didn't address them. Um, 
and I just didn't really think anything would ever come up again. And it wasn't until my study abroad, really, that I began to meet some people that were part of the LGBT community and that were, you know, going to BYU that I really grew to love and that were just some of my dear friends that I have some of the best memories with. And um, that really started expanding my mind, but still I felt like it was kind of on the back burner a little bit. I never really thought about it that much. But I grew in that love for them and not being um, repulsed or anything like that, maybe like I was in high school or middle school. And then my husband and I, we once um, were driving, we were living in Minnesota actually for my husband's internship last summer and we were driving up to the Northwoods to go on a little vacation together, I guess, by Lake Superior. And we started listening to the book by Tom Christofferson um, titled That We May Be One. And Tom Christofferson is a gay member of the church and he's actually D. Todd Christofferson's brother. And his story was just really compelling and enlightening. And we both felt that our faith was strengthened as a result of it. We'd always, if you're listening to it on audiobooks, we'd always pause it and then we'd discuss it with each other and talk about how our perspectives are why, like expanding. And then we'd play and then we'd pause it again and then share our thoughts. And there were tears and, you know, testimony and all of that um, weaved throughout the, the audiobook that we were listening to. And that really expanded, I feel, um, the capacity of my heart to love and to understand. And then I had some experiences that really um, made me apply some of that love and understanding that I had gained. And so that's a little bit about how I began, I guess, that process of allyship. And honestly, I feel that I'm still in the very beginning of it. I feel that I have just barely skimmed the surface and I have a long way to go. Um, But anyway, that is my story. How about you, Sydney? Yeah. So, I mean, I've already shared that I grew up in Utah. Um, And the reason that I start with that is because I feel like that kind of leads out um, the, you know, I was raised in a very, very conservative town Mm -hmm. full of some people that like to this day are like so, so loving towards me. But, I mean, honestly, before, like, like in those couple of years before gay marriage was legalized, it was something that was talked about so consistently in, at church, and it was something that, like, and most people were, you know, against gay marriage, you know. And my, uh, when, when, when I was in, in high school, one of my closest friends came out to me, and... Um, and then two others did, um, in the span of, like, less than two years. And that, for me, was just, like, this, like, revolutionary moment because that was the moment that, like, the LGBT cause and movement stopped being this abstract thing and it started being, like, something tangible and, like, these people that I love. So then at church, when people started talking about, you know, the LGBT community and stuff, I was just like, oh my gosh. Like, that's, that's, like, my friend that they're, like, Mm. talking about that way. And just being, like, wow. You know, like, like, and, um, I, it's something that, like, Gretel referenced where she's, like, it should have, it should have started mattering to me long before then. Mm. And it, and, like, I should have started thinking 
more critically and questioning more before then. I mean, I was also very young, but, like, nonetheless, I hold my young self up to a high standard that I just didn't (laughs) reach. Um, But, like, that was a moment when I just kind of realized that it all started becoming, like, personal to me. Um, And that kind of started me down the path I would say, um, of learning how to be an ally and really emphasis on the, the learning part, you know, um, cause especially in high school, I didn't do a very perfect job of, about it, you know? Um, and there are things that I wish that I had said or done differently, even while I was trying to express love or trying to be supportive in the best way that I knew how to just like, I'm like, shoot, I handled that so badly now that I know a little bit more, you know? Yeah. Um, a couple of things, um, a couple of media resources that I really liked is, um, and I think I I referenced the book Goodbye, I I Love You, uh, last time. I don't actually remember. If I keep saying we referenced this last time and no one else, like, (laughs) remembers me talking about it, this is going to be really embarrassing. (laughs) But, um, that's by Carol Lynn Pearson, and that's a really excellent book about a woman in a mixed orientation marriage um yeah and so because I I I think I talked about it last time I'll just like leave that there um and then the other thing has been there's this online comic called up and out she's on Instagram um I know she's probably on other platforms as well um and if you scroll back far enough you'll see comics starting in black and white and it's about her experience as a trans, like, uh, and it's about her experience with being transgender, um, and, you know, listening to LGBT artists, even when they're not discussing explicitly LGBT things, um, Mika, I, I ran about to Madeline all the time. Grace Kelly. Yeah, oh my gosh. (laughs) He is someone who writes, like, incredible music some of it dealing with i believe he identifies as bisexual because he was he was out as gay originally and then he was like no i'm bisexual um and then i think he's kind of settled on like look if you have to label it i'm bisexual but Mm. really like does it actually matter i think has been kind of his stance recently but Anyone could fact check me and tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> it's fine. Um, but he has some great songs to talk about sexuality, some great songs that don't even touch on it at all. Um, Another resource that's helped me yeah. is a podcast, actually, that this podcast is a little similar. There's a few differences, but um, it's by Richard Osler, otherwise known as Papa Osler, and he's a bishop, or was a bishop, I think, in a YSA ward where he encountered a lot of um, LGBT concerns and questions and everything and his podcast is entitled Listen, Learn, and Love and um, he even he interviews a wide variety of people and his podcast is predominantly just entirely an interview they're pretty long, over an hour um, one of them I listened to not too long ago was of a return mission president actually um, that had um, come out to his wife and his family and everything and their story but anyway so that was pretty interesting yeah no that's super awesome resource I think and you know I think that ultimately you know we both found ourselves in in different 
areas of like not really knowing how to navigate you know like this entire thing of sexuality that like I said I don't think either of us really had to think about until we were kind of forced to confront it and then it's like that's an entire deep community and discussion you know um and concept to be trying to get your feet wet in you know um and I think it's just really and so like I hope that like the resources that we pointed to you know there are so many resources out there um the USGA um club I think yeah that the USGA club um at BYU actually I don't think they're technically a club the USGA community at BYU, um, they have a really great website, usgabyu.com, where they point towards some very basic resources if you're just trying to figure out even what's, like, even just how to use the language to express, to, like, orient yourself in the community. Because, like I said, having been from Utah and having grown up in that, I know that sometimes that in itself can just be a challenge. Yeah, truly. I'm actually going to go home and look at that website a little bit more tonight because (laughs) I haven't, I don't think I've actually even um, been on it before. But another website that has been helpful uh, is mormonandgay.org. And that, um, they have a lot of videos actually of people and their story. And of course, it's like every other church video where it's really nicely done. So they're great to watch. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and then if we think of other resources um, from, you know, art, artists to authors to I- Events anything or... else, yeah, we'll um, link them in the episode notes. Um, yeah. but I think our what we want you to take away from this is just thinking um, of how you can be a better ally. And mm-hmm. that could be in the form of, you know, maybe looking to some of these resources that Sydney and I have um, kind of listed or even thinking, okay, where am I at in understanding this world, (laughs) honestly, because it is almost like a new world that we're kind of exposed to at some point in our lives Um, and making some kind of step to becoming more understanding and compassionate. And I think that that can really come in reaching out to some of these different resources as well that we've talked about. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Well, I think that's a wrap. Yep. Any last thoughts, Madeline? <laughs> nope, but we we'll uh, <laughs> bid adieu to our audience. We'll catch you next episode, episode four. All right. <laughs> Stay tuned. Mm-hmm.